Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We've been talking for a while about this whole California reparations thing. And it's the first state in the country to pay reparations to uh, descendants of slaves. Going to do it as a state. You know, it's been kind of pushed as a federal policy for many, many years, never gotten anywhere, but California is going to jump ahead of that and, and do it on their own. Uh, committing quintillions of dollars to an unworkable formula of trying to figure out who's a descendant of a slave and, and, and what, you know, and what way it's harmed your life. The total would be currently, according to the task force, $569 billion. Over a half a trillion dollars for a state. To pay reparations, that would be about a quarter million dollars per person for each of the state's 2.5 million black Californians, economists have noted. Although you'd have to prove you're a descendant of slaves or not, or you just need to be black. Well, yes, you've got to be a descendant of of slaves. There's all sorts of fine print, which is odd if it's racial discrimination. I mean, if you've been in the country 10 years or 175, your family shouldn't make any difference. That's an excellent point. It's, it comes down to housing is the, uh, the argument. And so you'd have to believe if, if you got to prove you're a descendant of slaves, then you'd have to believe that the person at the apartment complex gave you an apartment because you were black, but they knew you weren't a descendant of a slave versus somebody else who they turned down who was black, but you suspected they were or something? No, or the other it, way around? it obviously gets very crazy. Yeah. Let's discuss this and the practicalities and the reasons why and why not with Andrew Quino, who's an attorney with the fabulous Pacific Legal Foundation. Andrew, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. So uh, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to talk about what the panel, the, the panel impaneled by the state of California has come up with? Sure. Um, they have been hard at work over the last year and a half now coming up with policies that 
have been recommended before. These are things that we've seen before. So in addition to the housing recommendations that they've made, subsidizing mortgages for Black Californians, they're also recommending free tuition for California students, Black California students, free health care programs, raising the minimum wage, uh, more climate regulation, which incidentally is one of the reasons we have a housing crisis in the first place. So they are repeating policies, progressive policies, essentially, that we have seen before. But now the justification is because we need to address the badges and incidents of slavery. I think the housing issue is is particularly curious and and confounding, given that we know the cause of, of the lack of housing in California. We're not building enough homes. And if they want to say, well, that's because of slavery, then fine, they can say that. But but at least tackle the root cause of, of why we don't have enough homes, which is just we, we're just not building enough. Uh, but that's, of course, not what they're what they're saying. Instead, the, the policy or the recommendation is, well, let's give everyone an, an interest free or every black Californian or rather one that, an eligible black Californian descendant of, of an enslaved person, a, uh, a low interest uh, subsidized, low interest mortgage. So is any of this the least bit constitutional? I mean, mandating by law that certain races get different mortgage rates? Well, well, what the Constitution requires is any remedy that is race-based, which, which this would be if we're only providing things to uh, uh, black Californians, it has to be limited in time. It can't be something that is given in perpetuity. It has to be narrowly tailored. Uh, so you can't address something that is meant to resolve societal discrimination. So it's one thing to be giving something to someone that was directly enslaved, someone that was actually enslaved because of government policies, but to provide it to their, uh, their, their, their children's children's children, ge- generations removed, uh, yeah, now you're getting into trying to resolve societal discrimination, which uh, is not constitutional. Uh, a good comparison would be reparations to uh, Japanese Americans or those of Japanese ancestry who were interned during World War II, you had essentially provable damages with them. Reparations went to those that were actually interned, evacuated, relocated, not their children or their children's children, but the people themselves that 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 were affected by by internment policies during World War II. Now we're talking about uh, generations, people generations removed from from actual slavery. Right. And, you know, we try really hard to be intellectually honest around here. And, you know, you can cite like housing practices of the 50s and 60s that were discriminatory, redlining and that sort of thing. Um, well, it's a hypothetical, but if we were merely talking about that sort of reparations for that sort of thing, where would the Pacific Legal Foundation probably stand on that? Or do you have any idea? Well, you know, the... The, the recommendations by the reparations task force are, are again just recommendations they're supposed to come out with with their final recommendations next june or july i believe so it remains to be seen what would possibly be actionable what would be con- in contravention of the constitution but ultimately i mean if it, if it is something that is race-based if if they're providing benefits um based on a person's skin color then 
then that would be subject to an equal protection challenge. It would be in violation of the 14th Amendment of, of the United States Constitution. So we, we take a look at what they would ultimately recommend. But again, if 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 it is race based, it's 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 something that that can't address societal discrimination. It, it can't uh, be something that that they're going to have no end point to. So we're we're looking forward to seeing what they come out with next summer. You know, we were wondering on the uh, federal policy Joe Biden had proposed to do away with uh, a bunch of student loan debt. If there's such a thing in the law as just, this is a stupid idea. <laughs> and, and is there anything like that around here where, where, where you could say legally, $569 billion, the state would immediately be, uh, you know, insolvent the moment that you, you signed on to this. Is there anything legally around, around that where you can just say, this, this can't work? Ex post stupido. <laughs> right. If if only there were a straight face test or a head scratching test or a mind blowing, this blows my mind test. Uh, unfortunately, we will have to rely on legislative action to to uh, come to the re- realization that uh, this will cost us. And I think, you know, we, we talk about people leaving California. Uh, hopefully that will be enough of a reason to reconsider this price tag. I mean, the, the people that California will have to depend on to pay for this $569 billion, and that's, that's just the estimated maximum liability. Uh, the people that they have to depend on to pay for that are going to leave the state because they themselves can't afford to uh, buy a home in California. So who are they going to get to pay for for this? So perhaps the, the reduced, reduction in population will make people realize that maybe maybe we got to reconsider um, yeah, it's the, policies it, and what it, we're doing. It's the classic, the problem with socialism is you run out of other people's money. If the people who pay exactly. most of the taxes just decide, you know, I'm going to step across the border, now all of a sudden I don't owe anybody nothing, um, <laughs> you're, you're out of luck. Yeah, and, and when you consider how diverse California is, um, you have populations, you have, have, have residents here whose who's own ancestors who are not black, but they are also uh, minorities or persons of color, uh, we're also subject to discrimination. So the question will be, well, where are their um, problems and grievances being addressed uh, when their families went through the same thing? I mean, you know, uh, Asian Americans, for instance, uh, back in the 1900s were subject to the alien land law. They were uh, forbidden from, from owning land. Hispanic mm-hmm. Americans were also subject to redlining. Um, so the question will be, wh- why is you know, only one segment being focused on it? And perhaps they might expand it to other people. Who knows? Well, and this is, well, that could be, I mean, that's, uh, speaking of the hallmarks of socialism, um, and it occurs to me, read the Grapes of Wrath. How about uh, white Okies who got beat to death trying to cross the border and get a job in California if I'm their descendant? what? And a friend of mine just texted me, what if my ancestor died uh, fighting for the Union in the Civil War to end slavery? Do I get an exemption? So, again, this is impracticable, but I'm reminded of something we talk about a fair amount. These days, in the days of performative politics, you make a great, grand pronouncement of what you you want to do and what ought to be done, and you get the credit for it, then you get laughed out of court, and you don't you can't implement it because it's blatantly unconstitutional, but you get the credit from the constituency you're after for having tried. And I think there's a lot of that in this. I, I think so, too. And, you know, when you look at, at the what the work of the reparations task force uh, has been so far, the, the, you know, the big, the big grand pronouncement at, at the beginning seemed to indicate that every black resident was going to get reparations. Well, I mean, they ultimately narrowed who would be eligible for it 
to only those who are descendants of enslaved persons. Or Which doesn't make any persons. sense, as we mentioned earlier, because if I got denied housing, nobody knew if I was a descendant of a slave or not right. when they did. Yeah. And then you're going to set up another another bureaucracy to to try and trace the lineage and and again try and fri- find the provable damages. So it, it's going to be you're going to see even more narrowing, I think, with the ultimate recommendations. I mean, if you look at what they're doing in Evanston, Illinois, where they have a reparations program, that was whittled down to just a, a housing voucher program to those who were descendants of. Of, Evans, of people living in Evanston between 1919 and 1969. So I think you're going to see even more narrowing in the future. Andrew Quino is an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation. It's a terrific organization fighting for liberty. Uh, Andrew, we appreciate your time. Thanks. Well done. Thanks so much for having me. Happy holidays. You got it. You know, the last time we discussed this, we got an email from a guy who... Um, he, he described himself as as white as can be in terms of appearance and uh, and reasonably well to do as well, and uh, and but it turned out that his great great grandfather on one side of the family or something was a black man, and he said for a lot of I am a descendant through that great great grandfather of someone who was a slave in the United States prior to the nineteenth century or whatever the the completely unworkable parameters of this are uh, yeah prior to the end of the 19th century so he would arguably be owed reparations and if he were then we come to the question of i hate to even say the words is he black enough does he have enough percentage of african-american in him because he is a direct descendant yeah. But he's never been discriminated against for a second. Well, the, the, those cases are damned interesting, but, um, you know, the overall gist of it is the problem. I mean, where, where are you going to end if you start going back centuries and people being wronged uh, and right. extrapolating from there? I mean, where, where would this all end? Yeah, and not for a second to minimize the horrors of slavery, the Jim Crow era, you know, the Reconstruction era, any discrimination in the 20th century is terrible. But if there are remedies, they can't be this. It's just insane. But again, they'll get credit for having tried. And do do you have to pay taxes if you're black on this? I mean, do you get, like, part of your taxes carved out? And if you're an affluent black person, are you going to get hammered with massive tax increases in California? Yeah. Or will there be an exemption carved out? Yet another thing for the the courts to just guffaw about. Armstrong and Getty. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. 
Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't know who this is, but anyway, so their headline was... Parenthood is the pathway to misery, immiseration, and planetary degradation. This is the message too many young women and men are getting. They have no idea what we really know about family life. Based Plus, on they have no idea what that second word means. <laughs> immiseration? Is that yes. different than misery, or is that just like getting, being made miserable? I don't know. I, lo- I know lots of words, but that's a new one on me. I think that's repetitive. It's a pathway to misery, immiseration, which is making you miserable. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get caught up on that. That's really not the point of this segment. Um, the point is he is passing along this latest polling, which fits in with all kinds of other polling that we've talked about over the years, broken down particularly by women. Women's happiness by marital and parental status at different ages. Whether you're married with children, and I'll give away the headline, far and away... Married with children people report being very happy at higher percentages than uh, all the other groups. Um, But we can go through it at different ages. And it's true at all ages, which is really, really interesting. So 18 to 34-year-olds, even for the young crowd. For the young crowd, um, married but childless is the plurality. A third of that crowd says they are very happy, married and childless. But just below that, married with children at 30%, drops way down to the, I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, unmarried, childless, 7% report being very happy. Unmarried with children, 12% report being very happy. So way, 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 way lower numbers. But that's pretty young crowd by modern standards, 18 to 34. You get up into the prime, you're uh, getting married, having kids age, 35 to 54. Uh, about 30% married with children report being very happy. You go down to the unmarried, childless, 12%. Unmarried with children, 11%. Hmm. And then for the older crowd who've been around a while and had a chance to think about what makes them happy or not, 55 plus, easily the plurality of people reporting being very happy, 25% married with children. Then it drops down quite a bit. Married childless, 14%. Unmarried with children, 11 Unmarried childless, 10 So across all age groups, 
It is the the win for the win of checking the box of being very happy. It's married with children, which I find interesting. That is yeah. not the way it is really portrayed in TV shows and movies and jokes, etc. Well, and I return to the previous question for two reasons. Number one, I like words. Immiseration means economic impoverish, impoverishment. Okay. Um, and, and secondly, because I, this has become near a truism in the modern, modern age, we're not going to get married until we have enough money. Until we have money saved or blah, blah, blah. We can, can't afford to have kids at this point. And I'm telling you, as a guy who slugged through that whole deal, and boy, Judy and I did not have any money to throw around until, hell, until our third kid was, you know, going to school. Um, number one, two can live cheaper than one. And, and, and number two, it'll take care of itself. Well, I always have to throw in my caveats on this topic. One, if you don't think you want to have kids, don't. <laughs> Just don't. Oh, right. Sure. Do not. Unless you really want to, don't. Because it's, uh, it's a, it's, it, it's not only a big deal, it's the biggest deal. But, um, pe- people who claim to not have kids for this reason or that reason, I don't think that's true. I think you have to put a, put words to the reason, but you just, you're just not feeling it. There's something yeah. going on in the culture all around the world, in the developed world, to just not have kids. Which is fine. Which is fine. You do you. Hmm. Armstrong and Getty. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So I, I think the first time I heard about what we're about to discuss may have been from our good friend Tim Sandifer, Tim the lawyer, who mentioned you guys have no idea how far left law schools have swung um, all over the country. And, I, you know, if I were going to try to fundamentally uh, change a country and I could only pick a few sectors that I got to control, you know, I'd probably go with uh, media and education, I mean, if I could get right through law schools, boy, that'd be a good one. And and whatever your cultural leaders are, your movie and TV makers, I think I'd probably want to grab them. And if I, you give me those three, and I'm 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 going to succeed. Well, you know, we've been talking about elementary education and how left it's gone, and the, the issues in schools. I mean, I got a story here about a Virginia district being stu- sued by parents because they're being taught the loathsome, loathsome, uh, woke uh, racial theory stuff. Uh, but again, law schools um, have gone way, way left, too. And the reason that's important is, is pretty obvious, right? Uh, the folks who craft and interpret the laws are now way out there uh, extremists. And there's a piece uh, in Substack that I found really interesting. Then I'll get to something kind of specific. But um, this guy's name is Aaron Siberium, and he published under Barry Weiss's Substack. Um But he talks about the adversarial legal system in which both sides of a dispute are represented vigorously by attorneys with vested interests in winning. It's the heart of our constitutional order. And since time immemorial, law schools have tried to prepare their students to take a part in that system. Not so much anymore. Now the politicization and tribalism of campus life have crowded out old-fashioned expectations about justice and neutrality. The imperatives of race, gender, and identity are more important to more and more law students than due process. More important than the presumption of innocence. More important than all the norms and values at the foundation of what we think of as the rule of law. And he gives a pretty good little explanation of critical race theory as it is dealt with in law school. Not the way it's been kind of dumbed down and, and turned into something else to become your woke, uh, uh race-baiting anti-racism in, in schools. But the actual critical race theory, as it came to be called in the 1980s, began as a critique of the neutral principles of justice. The argument went like this. Since the United States was systemically racist, since racism was baked into our political, legal, economic, and cultural institutions, neutrality, the conviction that the system should not seek to benefit any one group, camouflaged and even compounded the racism. The only way to undo it was abandon all pretense of neutrality and to be unneutral. To tip the scales of justice in favor of those who never had a fair shake to begin with. And this was a very, very fringe theory for a very long time. But now it's spread like wildfire through our nation's law schools. Starting this fall, Georgetown Law School, perhaps you've heard of it, will require all students to take a class on the importance of questioning the law's neutrality. That's one of the core classes and assisting, assessing its differential effect on subordinated groups, etc. Questioning uh, the law's neutrality. Wow. As of last month, the American Bar Association is requiring all accredited law schools to, quote, provide education to law students on bias, cross-cultural competency, and racism, both at the start of the law school and at least once again before graduation. That's in addition to a mandatory legal ethics class, which now must instruct students that they have a duty as lawyers to, quote, eliminate racism. Never mind the fact that many of these places define racism as disagreeing with 
the so-called anti-racism doctrines. Which brings us to a really interesting article from Pasegal, uh, Pacific, Pasegal, Pacific Legal. Uh, it's another sign of white supremacy, making up words. Pacific Legal Foundation at PacificLegal.org. We have supported Pacific Legal Foundation for a very, very long time, uh, and they do fabulous work. Um, but they recently put out a piece that says California's universities once required faculty to sign an anti-communist oath. And and they mentioned that, uh, you know, whatever the reasons may be, uh, you know, nobody looks back on that as a fine time and a good thing to do. Um, whatever the dogma du jour may be, compelled submission to political beliefs is poison to free thought and the search for truth. Here's what's happening now. The California Community College Administration has just adopted a rule that will require faculty to use diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility principles and anti-racism in their teaching. All of them in every class. D-E-I-A, which goes by other names as well, and anti-racism are labels for a family of controversial tenets from the belief that minority groups should enjoy special privileges in hiring, college admissions, and so forth, to the broader view that capitalism, the free market, and similar bedrock institutions must be uprooted to address systemic racism. And proponents of anti-racism argue that anyone who does not support these deeply divisive concepts is, in fact, a racist. Yeah, it's all in how they're going to define that whole anti-racism thing. But in most of the definitions that are used today, that's that's not good. Well, right. And, And let's not gloss over the fact that part of the argument, and this is not like, uh, you know, a couple of people have espoused this. No, this is at the core of it say, because of systemic racism, all of the institutions of this country are have racism baked into them. Therefore, all of them must be uprooted and destroyed. From our court system, to the Supreme Court, to the Constitution, to the Bill of Rights, to our schools, everything must be uprooted Boy, that's a- and changed. And they're now requiring all instructors in the California community college system to sign an oath that they will teach that. That's a tough situation to be in. If you want a job teaching history 101 at the local community college and you got to sign that oath. Yeah. Holy cow. And again, if you're not familiar with Pacific Legal Foundation, this is not, you know, one of your wackadoodle out there right wing websites that tries to sell you some fake supplement while you're reading about how, uh, you know, there's, there's a child sex ring in a pizza joint. Okay. Pacific Legal Foundation is one of the most highly respected, time honored, uh, conservative organizations in America. They do fabulous work and they do it soberly. So there's a little more to this. California's uh, community colleges want to require all faculty to preach this political creed in the classroom. The rule states, quote, faculty members shall employ teaching and learning practices and curriculum that reflect DEIA and anti-racist principles. Faculty supervisors must, quote, place a significant emphasis on DEIA competencies in employee evaluation and tenure review processes, close quote. Administrators, administrators must apply these principles to virtually all aspects of operating the school, including, quote, funding allocations, decision-making, planning, and program review processes. College leadership views the anti-racism philosophy as a cornerstone of their mission. And remember, if you 
oppose any of those policies, that makes you what? A stick in the mud? A jerk? A conservative? No. It makes you a racist. Because those are anti-racism policies, or that's what they uh, call themselves. Just a little more on this. College leadership views uh, the anti-racism philosophy as a cornerstone of their mission. In a recent meeting, Deputy Chancellor Daisy Gonzalez said community colleges should, quote, be institutionalizing equity as a core function of our work. Uh, likewise asserted, uh, I'm sorry, the president of the academic senate likewise asserted that anti-racism should be, quote, embedded in everything we do. College Curriculum Committee has drafted a model, principles and practices regarding DEIA in the classroom that make clear just how savagely partisan this framework is. For instance, the committee considers teaching from an individualist perspective to be a Eurocentric practice that should be jettisoned in favor of a collectivism perspective. Likewise, teachers are expected to use a social justice lens in all disciplines. Pacific Legal Foundation writes, the message is clear. Faculty must adopt and teach a specific partisan worldview or be driven out of the classroom. Well, I'm running out of time. There's actually more to this. I'm glad they're fighting this. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I am, uh, again, uh, redoubling my support for uh, the Pacific Legal Foundation. Also, FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Education, which has announced they are now moving beyond college campuses because the ACLU has, and they've admitted this, they've abandoned free speech as their primary uh, focus. So, uh, FIRE.org is now the place to go. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarn you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, I talked a great deal yesterday about Matt Walsh's new documentary, What is a Woman? And Matt Taibbi died in the wool lefty saying it was really good. It made a lot of good points. And that the whole transgender factory apparatus of the so-called counselors and the surgeons and the people giving drugs to children and the rest of it, it's all sick. Um. And uh, and also, uh, I've heard a number of very reasonable trans people or those who sympathize with them say, "Hey, look, it's if you are accepting of trans people and believe in all their rights and kindness and the rest of it, that doesn't mean you're obliged to say it's fine for biological males to whoop the hell out of women in sports. Those two things are not connected, not at all." And that's, you know, where I come from. So uh, various organizations, particularly kind of wokey ones, are having trouble trying to figure out how to deal with this. And I like this. This is a race that I know nothing about. It's called the Thunder Crit Bicycling Race, which I guess is a big deal. But again, I know nothing about it. And they put out an official statement. First of all, they uh, they go on and on talking about how we've always strived for equality, open, inclusive, gender identity should never be discriminated against, uh, blah, 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 gender expression. I'm just throwing phrases at you to give you the flavor of this thing. Uh, we realize that binary racing categories are no longer fit for the purpose. Well, yes, they are. They're fine. But anyway, it shouldn't be up to racers who do not identify with traditional categories to face pressure to fit into them or be excluded or face intrusion quest- intrusive questioning or for a third category to be created, which further others them in the sport. It's time for the categories themselves to change and become more inclusive. I'm thinking, all right, where are you going with this? I think you're going to like this. Therefore, we say goodbye to gendered race categories. 
The men's race and women's races are no more. Welcome to the new Thundercrit categories, which are based on the principles that the best and most fun competition is a fair and inclusive competition where the performance level of the competitors in each category is similar to those around them. We have created two new race categories, Thunder and Lightning, that take the physical performance of cis men or cis women as the starting point of each and invites those of similar ability to race in that category, regardless of gender. I can't decide if they've intentionally done something really clever to restore sanity or if they've accidentally done something really clever to restore sanity. I think it's the former, and they're trying to keep the political heat off of them. I think they've done really good cover of trying to figure out a way to deal with the current situation. If so, they're brilliant. Here, here are the details. And this is from their official statement. It's a radical rethink of what a race could look like, celebrating the differences between riders, but offering a level playing field in terms of competition. The thunder category is for cis men and non-binary people whose physical performance aligns most with cis men or trans men and women whose physical performance aligns most closely with cis men. Yeah, in I, other words, you ride like a dude, you're in this category. Yeah, I think I think they have cleverly tried figured out a way to get around the problem. You got times like a dude, you're in this category. You got a heart Lungs, bones, and muscle mass that like a, that's like a dude's. You're riding in the thunder category. Then the lightning category, obviously, is for cis women, non-binary people whose physical performance aligns with cis women, or trans men and women whose physical performance aligns mostly with cis women. But what a guy like me who is not very good at anything, my uh, my abilities would align with. <laughs> Most of the female scores, probably. So, um, or just align with sad. <laughs> so, would I end up in that category, or how's that work? Well, Jack, we've talked to our thunder racers and our lightning racers, and they said, "Let them race wherever you want." Exactly. <laughs> and so, somebody would say, "That guy over there is he's a dude." And don't don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Here are some notes. Cis people cannot choose their racing category. Cis men will race in the thunder category. Cis women will race in the lightning category. Well, that seems to be discriminating against the uh, cisgender types, but we recognize that this new format may be confusing. It's not the least bit confusing. <laughs> so if you're not sure, please email us. We'll be, ha- we'll be happy to help you choose the right category. I like it when people say stuff like that. I realize all this is very confusing. No, it's not. It's very simple. <laughs> Let's see. Transphobic behavior will not be uh, tolerated. We will not require any proof of medical treatment. Edge lords will not be tolerated. Somebody help me. Edge lords? Is that something we can say on the air? I don't even I don't know what even that know. is. Is that loathsome or horrific? I don't. I assume it's not, since it's in this official. Can somebody Google what the hell is an edge lord? You might have to go to the Urban Dictionary, or is that a legal term? Is that young Alex piping in, Alex? Yeah, it is me. It's it's somebody who's overdramatic for no good reason. Oh, like a drama queen. Oh, so th- th- have you heard this expression before? I have. It's normally used online. It's somebody with just like a, an explosive persona that tries to get a reaction out of people. Okay, Meaning that's... like everybody on Twitter. Basically, yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm glad you said that. I, can't, I, I, re- I just remembered. I come across this on uh, a Reddit thread of something the other day that's probably the sort of place you would hear this edgelords they were referring to him and i had no idea if that was a video game or whatever okay 
edge, edge. Well, I've, I've been. A, I, I'm a <laughs> bit king of, of edge lords. I'm a bit of an edge lord now and then, so you know. And a drama queen. So what are you gonna do? Uh, for, like, for entertainment purposes only. Uh, certainly. Uh, they say we're open to constructive feedback. We don't have all the answers and recognize it's not necessarily the perfect solution, so we're open to ideas and suggestions how we can improve in the future. So, you know, I, I think this is clever. If your performance aligns most closely with dudes, you're in this category, all right? You can call yourself a dude or a woman or pangender or a giraffe or, or, or her royal highness Queen Elizabeth. You can call yourself anything you want. But if you're obviously a dude looking person who races like a dude, you're over here. So, what, all right. So what would they have done with Babe uh, Dickerson Zaharis back in the day, the, the dominant female athlete? Athlete of the early 20th century. Would she have had to compete in the men's category then? Oh, I don't think so, because for all of her prowess, I don't think she was that fast and strong. She was way better than most of the gals. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I would just, I, I would, I wouldn't want to eliminate, like, if you end up at like a super standout, like Usain Bolt type woman. It just dominates everybody. But it, she's, she's a full on woman. Yeah, uh, this this can get a little complicated, especially for for women, but maybe not t- just for women, because there are those cases, the gals who have the uh, internal testicles that just in fetal development, they devo- develop both uh, ovaries and testicles. Yeah. And so they have a huge uh, testosterone advantage. I, I think at some point, maybe not before long, there will be like, uh, you know, uh, girly girls. Uh, medium girls, and then butch girls. And maybe there'll be a category for each of them, because then it will come down to, okay, who trained the hardest, who has the most discipline, the best uh, nutrition, the best coaching, whatever. I mean, because you got some really big, strong, butch-looking woman. Uh, and I mean, no disrespect. I'm not making any sort of joke. I mean, M- Martina Navratilova, for instance, was a much more masculine woman than like a Chrissy Everett, for instance. She hates, all, skilled tennis she hates all this stuff, by the way. <laughs> Oh, I know she does, which is interesting, because she considers herself a woman, period. A lesbian, but a woman. Um, a lesbian and a woman, I should say. Um, but so particularly with, since we're looking for strongest, fastest, in some cases biggest, most skilledest, with dudes it's easy. Because that's almost always the most masculine guys. Well, a couple of sports aside, like golf, for instance. Uh, golfers are built like Olympic swimmers these days, if you're not paying attention to the sport. Um, but you can have a guy with a pot belly and a cigarette in his mouth being an outstanding golfer. So, you know, but again, that's right. Golf is a game, not a sport, because you can gain weight while you're doing it. And that's the dividing <laughs> line. Jim Rome gets full credit for that standard. But but within women, it's a little more difficult. Uh, so I don't know where this goes in the future, but having big, hulking, biological dudes whoop up on women ain't where it's going. I guarantee you that. Armstrong and Getty. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 